Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. Today, I'm joined by Leslie. Hello. And Greg. Hey. And we are right at or uh, we are right at Washington <laughs> Gen because Con, I think I is what am, you <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So many conventions, um, so much brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yes, we are uh, right now at Washington as it's wrapping up. So we're doing a quick recap of it, and yeah, let's dive right in. Yeah. So I know. Leslie, you had a bit of a different con experience this year because you were heavily involved with the organizing. And Jacob, you were as well, but Mm -hmm. less so day of, I felt like, than Leslie. Yeah, I had a lot of day of organizing, um, particularly organizing all of the different tournaments that were happening. Last year, I I actually ran a tournament. I ran the Mystic Veil tournament, which was a lot of fun, and I got to sit and watch people play. This year was more showing up, making sure the table space was reserved, politely asking people who had set up a game in that space to please move. There are signs. I mean... But there weren't signs <laughs> yesterday. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so there was a couple people yesterday I had to actually to move and then we started that's what started the signs gotcha um, makes sense yeah so moving people around making sure the volunteer was there to run their game on time which was not you know things happen it's not always the case last night i we had a little bit of a mix-up with the werewolf game Apparently there there was two werewolves games scheduled, and I thought there was one werewolf game scheduled, and I was a little concerned the werewolf players were going to eat me uh, <laughs> instead of the villagers. So, uh, but I brought a friend of mine in to who loves 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 running werewolf, and he ran a a great like eighteen person game of werewolf. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So um, all in all, it went it pretty well, but it it is definitely a challenge when you know the volunteer who's running a tournament. Because you can't just grab anyone to run a tournament game. The person has to know the rules for whatever game is happening. And the, there was a point this morning where everything was happening all at once. And there was two tournaments starting and three tournaments starting, two volunteers I didn't have. And I also had to check out of my room at the same time. Mm. And uh, yeah. Just chaos. Pure chaos. Yes. Not even controlled chaos. Not even close to controlled chaos. Yeah. yeah. It was a stressful moment. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a busy day. and But I do have a lot of positive uh, ideas on how we can improve things in the future and, you know, make things better, make things run a little smoother. And I think we learned a lot, which is always super important, you know. Right. Yeah. And I mean, with a convention like Washington, it's, you know, it's small and it's you know, the people who come to this type of thing are very dedicated. They're very enthusiastic. But it's it's also a young con. This is its fourth year. And so there's a lot of growing pains, I feel like. I think one of the biggest things is that uh, we just changed uh, exact how the con was being run this year. Yep. Uh, so it used to be partnership between Ben Rossett, Kathleen Donahue, and Matt Grosso. That's changed recently. And so, like, it's just it, it's a different, like, feeling out the waters of how that mm-hmm. change is affecting the con uh, has been pretty interesting in general. Yeah. And I think that, like, there were definitely some times that I was getting a bit frustrated with how everything was going. I mean, the Friday before I was running around like the chicken with his head got off. Um, <laughs> and so it was it was an adventure. But we, had, we actually managed to get everything done decently well, which I was surprised with. Like, I mean, we we got the panels up and everything. Like, we had we had good panels this year, even though on Friday morning we pretty much had one panel that had like two people yeah. on it. Yeah, so. let's talk about the panels actually cuz I we each moderated 
a panel and on Saturday, and then you, Jacob, moderated a second panel on Sunday. Yeah. Right. Uh, I thought they went great. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a little bit different than last year. At least the panel that I was a part of was less uh, – it felt less like game designers talking to a room and sort of being – you know, this is the information that we're giving you. And the panel that I was in felt much more like a discussion. It was a lot of, um, you know, audience feedback, a lot of audience acknowledgement and a lot of acknowledging player perspective, partially because, you know, we had a player on the panel, Hunter uh, joined us for that panel. So uh, I felt like it was a lot more integrated in terms of the types of conversations that we were having as opposed to just, you know, talking head type of panel. And I think also the topic for you lent to that True. as well, the game glossary panel. Um, for us, uh, I moderated the inclusivity panel and I had some amazing, amazing um, panelists. Uh, we were joined by Christina from Blue Pig Pink Peg, uh, Kathleen Donahue from Lab at the Games, um, going through them in my head of uh, uh, Victoria, who we had a we have a Victoria with Gladius, uh, the game. Uh, we have a Jenga interview with her and yes. Alex uh, that I encourage you all to watch, uh, as well as um, uh, Bex, uh, Rebecca Lawrence, uh, who is a local, uh, a very active member in the gaming community, as well as uh, Dr. Laura. Or sorry, not Laura Croft. We keep calling her Laura <laughs> Croft yeah. because you know reasons. But uh, Dr. Catherine Croft uh, with Cat Lily Games, and it was very emotional. Actually, very emotional and. Uh, discussion about inclusivity uh in gaming and there's always questions from the audience that kind of take me catch me off guard for example uh last year i know i was there's you know in inclusivity there's a lot of really dramatic topics and i always want to keep things very positive and what caught me off guard last year was um someone in the audience saying and don't forget colorblind people and yeah that's important but it completely caught me off guard and i was kind of for me out of left field we do and gaming it's very important to be yeah. mm-hmm. cognizant of colorblind people and i was completely unprepared for that moment um this year was a lot of um individuals recognizing that they have a, a place in this community you know dr croft talking about how she was didn't feel like a game designer even though she'd been designing games um mm-hmm. and uh, it was very kind of emotional for her to recognize that she was a game designer and talking about how uh, going into game stores and people explaining things to her and telling her the games were too hard for her to play. Mm. Um, note, she's a PhD. <laughs> um, and uh, stuff like that. And one really important moment for me personally was when... And I mentioned this to Bex afterwards, Rebecca Lawrence, uh, she goes by Bex, afterwards, was talking about representation in a way that I hadn't considered before. I'd always considered that it's certainly important for individuals to be able to see themselves in media for our purposes in board games, um, but in media in general. Representation is important. I want to be able to see people who look like me. I want you to be able to see people who look like you. But it's also important for me to see people who look like other people and for that to become normal. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't thought of it from that perspective before. And I don't know why, but I hadn't. And it was just an epiphany moment. And I just wanted to talk about that for the rest of the panel. But, um, you know, we got on to other topics. But uh, I'm definitely going to carry that with me um, afterwards. So that was really 
thought-provoking and moving for me. And I'm so glad we had a very diverse representation, and I hope it can, can increase in diversity in the future. For so. sure, for sure. Yeah. I, I, was, I was really glad to sit in on that one. That one was a lot of fun to listen to, and there was a lot of really interesting topics just uh, discussed. So uh, I definitely recommend checking out the audio for that uh, if you weren't able to attend the panel. Yes, definitely do. Um, and so you had two panels. Yes, I did. And they were extremely different uh, because I had the one was the uh, game design. So you want to be a game designer panel. And that one was um, we had uh, Ben Rossett, Dave Chalker, Omari uh, was on that as well. Um, and uh, we had one other designer whose name I cannot for the life of me remember. And we were talking a lot about like, uh, back and forth about like design process and design tips and that kind of stuff. And it was a, it was a very interesting discussion, but it was much more of like a um, moderated, I was trying to take the questions and try to, trying to lead the discussion and all that. Whereas the second panel that I had, uh, which was on Sunday, that one was about the themes and that type of things in board games. And it was a smaller panel. We had a, a lot fewer people in the audience. Um, but also we had uh, some interesting panelists. We had Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Hargrave uh, on that panel. Uh, she's a game designer um, and as well as uh, Glenn Flaherty, who is a uh, podcaster and uh, YouTube um, uh, personality and, and also his partner, Will, uh, who is like be the behind the scenes guy of uh, Glenn's YouTube channel. And they're from Board Games and Bourbon as well as they, they also um, have sections on the um, uh, Dice Tower uh, videos and that kind of stuff. Oh, cool. And talking to them or, or talking with them on this panel is very interesting because uh, Glenn is very much an animated person as well as like he is the kind of person who like, is just leading the discussion in different ways. And this one was much more of just a conversation between the, the panelists as well as uh, the, uh, the audience uh, at the same time. And it was just a very different feel from like uh, the other panels that I was at least uh, watching in that it was a lot more dynamic in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think because of the topic, was uh, it was themes. And we got into some really interesting discussions about uh, things like, you know, what are the future of uh, the futures of like these different types of themes? What do we see going on here, here and um, oh, how do mechanics really tie into the themes and how does that make it a better game and that kind of stuff? Um, and I thought it was it was just a really interesting panel to just talk with people. And it was also interesting in that I almost felt like half moderator, half panelist on that one, mm. um, which was uh, which was also pretty cool. But other than panels, we also got to do our annual um, two rooms in a boom coverage. Every year. Love it. Uh, Bill was back again. Uh, he does a fantastic job of running it. This year, we, we watched the first game and then recorded some content from the second game. So check that out uh, as soon as it's up. Um, and each of those games was 44 participants, which was, I think, the biggest game of two rooms in a boom. They were each the biggest game of two rooms in a boom I've ever seen even from his previous years of doing this. So, um, you know, just to maintain control of a space that way uh, and have make sure that everyone has a great time uh, and enjoy it, 
I think he always does a fantastic job. We're super happy to plug into that. Yeah, I heard from uh, Michelle, the photographer, that she she said she'd never seen someone manage a large group of adults so well. No. <laughs> <laughs> she says, I, I manage children at it during the day it's oh, so much easier but they man he just managed those kids so or adults rather so well yeah so yeah it's pretty awesome so yeah mad props to him uh, the other thing that we were super excited about this year in terms of sort of special activities was uh the tiny dungeon yep room which was super interesting we basically had uh you know matt and nick and some of the other folks behind the scenes worked to set up this it's basically an RPG system. Uh, yeah. You've got um, these sort of interlocking blocks that form your modular rooms, and they can mm -hmm. snap together, uh, and you kind of construct a dungeon on the fly for players who have built characters on the fly, and you have to, to whom you have ascribed attributes sort of based on what they look like. So, you know, you've got this person comes up with a gigantic axe, and you're like, okay, well, I think this character is probably pretty strong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you go back and forth with the player to make sure that yeah. you're not misrepresenting them, but... Um, it's very almost seat of your pants mm -hmm. type of system, mm -hmm. which is just so much fun. Yeah. Uh, Jacob and I each had a chance to run a couple of sessions. Um, and I, I at least had a blast. Um, the players yeah. were totally down, you know, they really just bought into this concept. Um, and it, this is the first year we've done it. And I totally predict it'll be back actually. Oh, I think that 100%, this, this was a hit. Like, I think people really, really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I enjoyed uh, running it as well. And it was interesting because it's also like, you know, you're, you're making those characters based on like what they have, the weapons, that kind of stuff. But I had one at least that was like, um, uh, she had made a character that had a sword and a magnifying glass. And she's like, yeah, I have a sword, but I'm not really good at using it. And I was like, okay, cool. Right. Like, you know, decrease a little bit of might and, and like, you know, that okay. kind of stuff. Um, and they got to keep their little figures yes, afterwards the, yes, that they, they had created. Like a so, souvenir. Yeah. Uh, I think there should be some pictures up of the tiny dungeon. So yep. if you are having trouble picturing what that looks like, check that out on the Washington Instagram mm -hmm. and webpage. So. And the other thing, actually, huge shout out uh, to Matt and the other people who designed the rooms themselves. So a lot of them were sort of just open spaces where you could drop uh, mm -hmm. enemies and have kind of freeform combat. But there were also some actual physical puzzle rooms with like those were legit things. you had to like take yeah. a gear off a wall and put it into a different space so mm -hmm. they could turn and oh, lift that a one thing was the best that, like yeah. it was just next level uh, it, it, was it, was, awesome. it was so great so yeah, yeah huge props to everyone who created rooms uh and really made this particular event uh reality this and year. also just a huge props to uh nick who was running yes. the entire room for both days yeah like he was there for every single session and running one of them yeah so um yeah, both nick's on saturday and then uh on sunday and bex also did, did a lot there so that was just really really great um props to them yeah absolutely uh, but WashingCon programming itself was not the only thing that we had a chance to do this weekend. We also got some awesome Jenga interviews again, which mm -hmm. is great to bring that format back. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, it never ceases to amaze me how entertaining those interviews are going to be. Uh -huh. Um, and then all that happens is only red blocks will move when I interview people. <laughs> so I got to interview a Victoria and Alex, who I mentioned Victoria earlier. She was on the inclusivity in gaming panel. And uh, she and Alex designed Gladius, which is a super cool little card game um, uh, where you're bidding uh, on or against um, 
gladiators. And uh, check out that interview because uh, we managed to get some pictures, really awesome pictures of our art. And there's just amazing art in the game and it's very entertaining. And then we had to teach Greg what a cronut was. <laughs> um, yep. And now we're going to have to go to New York to try some cronuts. Yes, art. I am. I'm a convert. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Um Learned a lot about a new game, and it's always nice to make new friends. Yes. So. Well, and that, so Victoria and Alex, this is their first uh, game, and it's going to be, they're hoping to launch a Kickstarter early next year, but they also weren't the only first-time designers that we talked to. Uh, Omari Akil, who Jacob mentioned, uh, was on his uh, So You Want to Be a Game Designer panel. He was here demoing his first game, uh, Rap Gods which he co-designed with his brother. And that's super interesting looking. Um, we had a chance to sit down and talk with him about sort of the inception process for that uh, and what it was like working with such with such an unexplored theme, you know, in board gaming spaces. And so I think we got a lot of really interesting questions uh, with him. And it was great to sit down and talk to him about what it's been like jumping into the game design scene when he has so much else on his plate, he was talking, I asked him about his other hobbies, you know, your sort of pet question, Leslie, and he said, you know, he's involved in the fashion industry. He uh, has been doing not competitive dance, but, you know, sort of uh, definitely hobby dancing for five years. Wow. And so for someone who's got that much going on to jump into a game design space. He was uh, also telling me about his trip to Africa and, and Shanghai. Okay. Well, so, he's just a guy who's yeah. got a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's just super fascinating, and it's crazy. It, what's crazy awesome to me about Rap Gods, which I have not gotten to play yet, but um, is that it's a very modern, interesting theme with a super. It's a Euro game, which is kind of stodgy, like. Yeah. <laughs> and to combine those two, uh, I'm really excited to play. For sure, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out. It seems, uh, and just from hearing his feedback on the game designers panel, like it, it really does seem like a very, very interesting game, and uh, they've really done a, uh, a lot to make sure that it felt right and that it uh, that it was just a good game all in all. Yeah, and also I have to say he he drove here from North Carolina, showed up to the staff office, and I shoved him into the panel room <laughs> <Yep>. immediately. <laughs> You're here. Go beyond this panel. It started 10 minutes ago. So I really appreciate his uh, willingness to roll with the punches. Yeah. Yep. yeah, and that's literally how it happened, too. Yep. Yeah. Greg, make this happen. <laughs> yep. Pretty um, much. And then we also had a chance to talk to uh, the featured designers from this year's Washington Con, who yep. were Dave Chalker, who we've talked to before, a uh, frequent guest on the podcast. Um, we had a chance to talk to him. Leslie, of course, couldn't let him go without questions about the Sentinels of the Multiverse RPG I mean, coming out. How could I not? Right. I mean, it is only your favorite game. <laughs> so yes. So we had a you know a chance to talk to him about that, about uh, Cookoff, which he's still prototyping and which we which love. Which might become one of our favorite games, or at least right. one of mine. <laughs> um, and just sort of... I mean, Leslie as well, but it's you, very you haven't on played theme. It it's very on theme for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it <laughs> works. Resident Chef. Um, <laughs> and then the, yeah. the other featured designer was uh, Matthew O'Malley, mm -hmm. who has... Uh, he co-designed Between Two Cities. He co-designed the new game Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig. 
yeah, uh, which I is so looking forward to that game. Yeah. Like I've just I haven't gotten to play it because we are so busy at Washington this year. But I got an overview from Matt about it uh, before we even did the interview, and that game just sounds like it takes the best parts of, of uh, Castles of Mad King Loaded, the best parts of Between Two Cities, puts them together into a game that is a lot more complex than Between Two Cities, but has just such a good. Uh, theme and such a good like mechanic and i cannot wait to actually get it to the table and play it mm-hmm. oh you haven't played it i have not yeah hunter got to play yeah there was a lot him. of discussion about playing with the queen and something was happening and it was very strange but <laughs> it, the game looks beautiful the art mm-hmm. looks absolutely amazing and i'm very excited to try it out and the random thing, the insert of this game is absolutely amazing. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, I think we mentioned last time when we were talking about um, uh, City, uh, Warsaw City of Ruins that the insert was pretty great. This one is probably even cooler. Yeah. Yeah. If you've seen Megaland or um, what is the Jonathan Gilmore's game that came out last year, the Pick Up and Deliver one. Uh, Wasteland Wasteland Express yeah. the insert is very similar to those mm. um, those the plastic uh, insert that makes it a lot easier to set up a game quickly yeah. and the easier it is to play a game the more likely you're going to play it exactly bottom line mm-hmm. so uh, inserts are important yeah yeah so definitely check those out they'll be coming out uh over the course of the next week or two uh as as we uh well we i say we jacob as jacob finds time to edit them um and make sure that they look pretty and are good so uh be on the lookout for those over on our youtube channel but also the reason we are all here what board games what we got to play some of us work got to play some board games uh i got to play the most because i wasn't directly involved with the organization of the event um Mm -hmm. but i know you guys got to play a few as well so uh saturday morning i sat down and the first game of the day that i played was terraforming mars i am the most jealous yeah well and it was great too because so i've played you know i've played the base game with including the corporate era variant uh jacob you and I have played uh, Hellas and Elysium. We've yep. played Venus Next. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person that I played with had Prelude, Prelude. the new okay. expansion, yeah. which was really interesting and very, very powerful. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We, yeah, we yeah. each got two Prelude cards at the beginning of the game, which had my... The, the combined effects of my two Prelude cards were to raise the oxygen two steps, the temperature one step, give me nine steel and four titanium. And each one of us had effects of that magnitude so it really just jump starts the game uh, in mm-hmm. ways that i think are are good because did it you make know, for a faster game time wise no generation wise i would say yes okay um it, it was that was counterbalanced by the fact that we were playing with venus next okay. um so i think but I, if you're comparing apples to apples i think prelude is definitely going to jump start and speed up the game uh quite a lot so. interesting uh, but that was great to play and then i got to sit down with some people and play reef which I know, uh, Leslie, you also had a chance to play with probably some more interesting people than I did. Which I mean, no, everyone no is interesting. Uh, I did play with uh, Rob and Christina uh, and their daughter Harper from Blue Peg, Pink Peg. So um, Christina had mentioned to me she didn't get to play it at Origins and she didn't get to play it at Gen Con. So she was interested to learn. So we sat down and we played a quick game. Um, uh, and it was, you know, just... Fast. It yeah, was quick, fun game. Yeah, I. It was the second time I actually hadn't played since Origins because we didn't have a copy. I 
maybe stole Jacob's for the afternoon. Um, As one does. <laughs> and, That's uh, what my copies are there for. Yeah. <laughs> Games are meant to be played, people. Exactly. Um, so <laughs> I picked, yeah, I, I grabbed that. it and we played a quick game. Um, and it's, you know, I can't make up my mind how much I like it, but I do think that it fills a really nice little short game void. And I I like the pieces. They look sort of like Fisher Price, but I do like stacking them. They're great. They're colorful. They're bold. Yeah. I like them. Yeah. 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 What else did you play? Uh, I, so the first night we were here, Friday night, you and I actually together played, no. You played with Hunter. I did. You did. You were going to play. I was not going to play. I was going to play something else and then I didn't. No. But Hunter and I uh, played Trakirian, which is a game about being a magician in the 1920s. And that was awesome. Super heavy. Uh, we played the lighter variant, which is five turns instead of seven and doesn't have the sort of uh, different end game scoring conditions. You only have two levels of spells instead of three. It was way lighter, uh, but it was tons of fun. The theme, super, super strong. Uh, someone who wasn't playing pointed out that it's basically like playing a board game of the prestige, the, the film. Yes. And yes. I thought that was an incredibly apt comparison and I loved it. And I, I would love to play again. It, it and that comparison long... just went over my head because I've never seen that. Right. You right, don't get because, pop culture references. Because Jacob doesn't see movies. Right. I've seen the prestige. I know what you mean. Okay. <laughs> there we go. As long as someone gets me. Yeah. Um, and actually I was, uh, I had, I did that night play the first two chapters of the choose your own adventure game, yeah, which I that. completely forgot mm-hmm. about. Um, very interesting. I am intrigued to try the next couple of chapters. I played with Dave Chalker, actually, yeah. and uh, Megan, who's another one of our volunteers here. And it was sort of, we jointly made decisions about the, what was going to happen next. The most entertaining part being when we were in a mansion and then found a dollhouse in said mansion and we were shrunk down to doll size and then had to battle the doll queen okay. in a piano battle of the mind this sounds very chaotic yeah yeah <laughs> it was definitely entertaining uh, it was interesting that in, in it was a demo copy from the board game library and nobody had made it to the chapter five cards oh. they weren't open yet oh wow. so i don't know if it's a timing issue because but um but i noticed that it took our whole two chapters by the time we played our whole two chapters, you guys had just set up the game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, so, Trichurian that's Trichurian. looked really interesting, but also like a, a huge time investment, yes. um, which is hard at a con. Yeah. And especially that first night when we were sort of all running around trying to figure out what was going on and make sure everything was firing on all cylinders. So, um, But you guys, so I played a bunch of games. Uh, mm-hmm. Jacob, you only got to play one game all weekend, which is super yep. sad for you. Um, I mean, it, it's... Honestly, I think it's about on par for uh, Washington at the moment. It's true. Uh, for I mean, the last three years that I've been a part of it. Yeah. Um, but that's because I'm just, I get involved in like doing the panels, doing the other things, doing the interviews, doing all that kind of stuff. And I'm just there behind the scenes a lot of times. Um, but I did get to play Startup, which is a one of the really tiny games by, I forget even the name of the, the, the company, but they make like these, they're bigger than the gum pack uh, games, but like they're smaller than the, uh, than any other box. They did the submarine game. Yes. Too? Oh, okay. I know the company you're yeah. talking about. Um, and they have a whole bunch of these and I really liked startups, uh, or startup 
it is a very, very quick stock uh, buying and stock collecting game uh, that has a fun aspect of and the cards that are in your hand are the like uh, the stock that you still you're gonna have at the end of the game as well. So you can always have like these like hidden stocks in, in your hand that will like beat out your opponent at the very end to like get, get that like kind of take that as like yeah I was holding these stocks uh, like hidden for all this time you thought you were winning mm. this but you're not and and you don't really you start with a set amount of uh, money in the entire game and then uh, at the end of the game you have to if you don't have the majority of whatever stock you have in front of you, you have to pay the people that do uh, equal to the number of stocks that you own of that type. But the cool part is that the coins are double-sided. So when you pay them, you not only give them a coin, but you also flip it over to the more valuable side. So instead of one point, they get three points for that. So you have to like be really careful about how all that works together yeah i could see that being really interesting it sounds a little complicated but i imagine in practice it's in practice it's a little bit simpler i mean yeah uh, it's a pretty simple yeah game i i played as well like i did look up the company real quick it's oink oink oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. uh so i i played also and um yeah jacob and i ended up getting a lot of the same cards and attempted to screw each other over yep <laughs> we we managed to screw each other over for the different ones it's like yeah i got one of them and you got the other one so yeah. it ended up pretty much net yeah yeah it was kind of a meet in the middle kind of situation sure. yeah it was pretty it, it's one of those games that seemed pretty difficult for a little game when you started explaining it but then once you started playing it it was very very simple pretty intuitive yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So. i think it's definitely one of those that you just have to like go and uh, play. So uh, I also played Azul finally for the first time. I lost terribly because I didn't understand how to uh, the points were scored. Um, But I I enjoyed it enough to pick up a free copy or not a free copy. I picked up a paid copy. I paid for it with my money. Um, I picked up a copy uh, today uh, and I'm excited to play it again. Uh, We don't really have a lot of abstract games. I don't think we have any abstract games and the pieces are fun and yeah yeah, yeah it's a gorgeous so game it's just really pretty yeah uh, and i think it will fill a nice little void in our mm-hmm. game library and then we had the highlight of of last <laughs> night yeah. which was oh, when yes. we were watching uh, at least leslie and i were watching as uh greg and hunter played fog of love oh yes, yes. uh hunter and i played fog of love uh which was delightful uh it was it was super interesting for those who don't know fog of love is a game that is inspired by uh the romantic comedy genre of of film um so you're basically playing through and with essentially uh all of these tropes from that film genre so you're you know you're going through these experiences of okay well you're a plucky architect and i'm a i don't know like a tough as nails prosecutor or something and can we make it work type of thing so you know, you're playing through all the scenarios, everything from the silly, like, oh, you know, do these pants fit me? Or I, oh, I brought you flowers, like something super sweet to, um, you know, oh, my, my aunt's coming to visit and she wouldn't approve of us. Or, you know, we just, we, we should go on a trip. Oh, I don't have time to take off from my work right now. And then it turns into a fight and you end up having to go to couples therapy. And it, like, it was a lot, there was a lot going on. Um, but I, I did really enjoy it. Um, we, I think I am very thankful for you guys um, and for, uh, I believe his name was Oscar, mm-hmm. uh, who joined us uh, as sort of spectators because I think it really kept the levity up. Uh, and the, the structure of the game is very much you play through, you know, act one, at least the scenario we were playing. Act one is sweet. 
Act two is serious. Act three is dramatic. Um, and so I think by the time we got towards the end of the game, if we hadn't had you all there to sort of keep things light, uh, it would have gotten to be almost a downer. Well, and and to to say that Act One sweet, uh, you know, sweet uh, was it serious, serious and drama, and that you do still potentially have sweet cards in your hand that you can play in the third chapter, but they're fewer and fewer. Right. So, and and there certainly is room for potential expansions for uh, team play of each person can have their sassy friends. Uh, <laughs> yep. And it was definitely highly entertaining to watch you guys play. Oh, it was amazing. Because the, the two of them also got into the role play of it, which was it's absolutely true. great. And I was totally following Hunter's lead on that one. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, Claire and... Claire and Tanya. 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 Yes, I was yep. Tanya. Yep. Yes. Tanya, the architect. Yep. And you were Claire, Tanya, the, the hairy architect with a facial scar. Who giggled? Who giggled? I didn't play the giggle. Oh, I'm realizing that. Yeah. I didn't role play the giggle very well. <laughs> but yeah, and then uh, Claire, was, Claire was a police officer with a very fancy tie and a lovely gold chain uh, who was very eloquent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we... It, one of the other things, real quick, is that the game end conditions are asymmetrical so each of you is going to have uh what's called a destiny and your destiny comes from you start with i believe the same pool of destiny correct um but over the course of the game you'll have opportunities to discard them or swap them out for other ones and you don't have to choose the same final destiny and so and you don't discuss it either right right you can kind of intuit what your partner's going for based on the choices that they make and based on sort of the the attributes that they increase or decrease over the course of the game but at the end of the day you may be going for different things and in fact that may actually work so hunter to end the game played the destiny uh dominant and i to end the game played the destiny uh unconditional love which actually are surprisingly compatible they require one partner to have a much higher uh, heart score than the other they require um or, or rather don't necessarily exclude the possibility of having a high disparity between uh, partner's heart levels. And so those two different destinies could result in mutual victory. Oh, in this case, they didn't, but they could. So that that's a very interesting aspect of the game, and I think I'd enjoy exploring it further. Uh, I'm not sure how I would feel about playing it with a romantic partner. Yeah. I feel like that would open lots of cans of worms. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have said that. Um, our general comment is if you uh, role play with your partner, like RPGs, LARP, etc., that you're probably going to be okay because you've been accustomed to that. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and you know beyond that, if your if your partner doesn't game, it, it might be different. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's uh, that's just about it. I think that that's uh, so summary of what we did at. Uh, Again, I was about to say Origins. <laughs> origins. It's uh, late. We're tired. Uh, we're so tired. Yeah, we're dead. Uh, but that is just a uh, brief look at uh, what we did at WashingtonCon this year. Um, some of the really cool things that, that happened, the events, the people we got to talk to. And in general, I think that we all enjoyed it. We had a good time. Yeah. We're very tired at the end of it. But I'm already looking forward to next year when that comes around. Should be great. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And don't forget to join us next week when we review Warsaw City of Ruins.